0: The future of business is responsible. El futuro de los negocios es reescribir el crecimiento de las empresas. Conscious commingling of growth and impact. 好友的未来在于心平气定. Le futur du business est conscient et responsable. व्यापार का भविष्य विकटनकारी और टिकाऊ है. The future of business is intentional and transparent. The toekomst van bedrijven zal de combinatie van kennis, creativiteit. Welcome to the Future of Business podcast, produced by Oxford MBA students. My name is Angus, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today, we will hear what it is like to work in the impact consulting space from our fellow classmate, Grace. Welcome to the podcast, Grace.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: So we're going to start with a a question that we ask all of our guests on the podcast. Uh, So what is a preconception that you may have had before coming to Oxford or the business school that has since changed?
1: That is a tough one. I will say that I did a bit of research before coming here. So I didn't have a lot of uh, preconception, but I I think coming into this MBA program and the main reason why I chose it was that I knew that it has a strong focus on impact. Um, and I had a sense that a proportion of my classmates uh, would be um, sort of people who were interested in having purpose-driven careers and I would say coming here, I was surprised the extent to which that is actually true and the number of students who, based on my interactions, seem to really care a lot about having a purpose-driven career. And so I will say I sort of expected it, but I didn't realize to what extent it will be true when I got here. And it's been so inspiring learning about what my classmates did pre-MBA or they want, what they want to do post the MBA and just seeing people really getting engaged uh, in different co-curricular activities across Oxford that sort of have a tie back to this question or point on impact. Um, So, Mm. yeah.
0: Awesome. And of course you have a a background in impact. Mm I was wondering if you could maybe share a bit about your experience, what you studied at university, Mm -hmm. how that led you to where you are today, and of course, the impact experience that you've had back in Africa.
1: Yeah, so I sort of born and raised in Kenya, went to high school there, and then I had the opportunity to go study undergrad in the US. And so I studied economics at Harvard uh, with a bit of focus on international development. And so I knew that post my undergraduate degree, I did wanna explore uh, working within the um, development space. And I ended up coming across this firm called Dahlberg that essentially is a strategy consulting firm that mostly works with what we've traditionally called development clients or social impact clients, ranging from um, governments, uh, different government agencies, bilateral, multilaterals, um, foundations. And so... We essentially advise these institutions on the design, um, the strategy, evaluation of different development programs with a strong focus on Sub-Saharan Africa, as well as um, Asia and a bit of work in LAT-M. Um, So that's what I've been doing for the last seven years before um, joining the MBA program. I spent about four and a half in client service. So started off as an analyst, uh, creating a lot of PowerPoint decks uh, and doing (laughs) a lot of desk research, which is essentially uh, what you spend a majority of your time doing as a consultant. And then the last two and a half years before I joined the MBA program, I actually switched from the client facing role and I worked as chief of staff for the firm, uh, which meant I worked really closely with our leadership team in sort of helping with the day-to-day management of the firm. So that's that's been my journey to, to here.
0: So it's safe to say that in terms of impact, you have a pretty good grasp of what impact is.
1: Um, well, that sounds like a very existential question because there's so many things that fall within the realm of impact. And I would say that the way we define impact has definitely shifted over the years I think before working in impact for a lot of people meant either working in in government in public service or working in an NGO Um, and now that's shifting as the world of business the world of public service and this question of sustainability equality And building institutions that have these values embedded within them, increasingly these things are merging. And so it becomes increasingly difficult to differentiate between when does, when is your job impact focus and, and when is it not as businesses and different institutions increasingly sort of develop a focus on, on this areas. And so, yes, I guess I've, I've, Done a bit of work in impact in impact, but I think increasingly, for all of us, whatever we work, our jobs sort of have a thread back to impact.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting point that you make because we are we're increasingly moving to a world where people are not solely focused on what they do, mm-hmm. but also focused on the meaning and the purpose behind it. Yeah. So, do you think I suppose on that note that Impact is something that's becoming ingrained in Mm -hmm. business, Mm -hmm. or is it still something that we need to explicitly strive for on top of what we do in our normal daily jobs?
1: I think a bit of both. It's very inspiring to see younger people, uh, not even our generations, like the folks who are a bit younger than us, and seeing young people really seek opportunities or jobs where they feel... Um, There's a purpose to what they do and demanding that from their employers and organizations and companies realizing that you can get better talent by being a values driven or a purpose driven organization. And so increasingly, I think folks are demanding more from what they do on a day to day basis. And and. And, and organization are responding. I I think like taking a step back a bit again, when I was getting into the world of impact seven years ago, I think a lot of it was grounded around what we called international development. And so aid programs, um, a lot of the work that institutions like the World Bank do, um, or WHO or the UN, um around alleviating poverty uh promoting good uh public health outcomes uh good education outcomes uh or providing access to just basic goods and services and 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 so when you thought about impact that is typically what you would think about this aid programs and increasingly people are starting to recognize the power of using market solutions to spar economic growth and ideally in the process also to reduce inequality. And I think the world has made a lot of progress. I mean, I think looking at the sustainable development goals, again, they're this huge audacious goals that sometimes can feel impossible to ever achieve. But for each of these goals, when you actually look at the data, you can see that People's lives are improving. We're pulling people out of poverty. In some contexts, inequality is declining, but in other ways, we are also regressing. And um, the, the issue of climate change is a perfect example where every single day we are living in this planet, like things are getting worse unless we make super drastic changes. And so I think on the one hand, there's a lot to celebrate in terms of the progress we've been able to make. As humanity while at the same time recognizing that we have such a huge way to go and increasingly we need to see these problems are not just problems happening in in other places in 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 the developing world rather um these are actually problems in our backyard issues of inequalities are do not just exist in in sub-saharan africa they exist everywhere they exist in 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 san francisco with issues of affordable housing for instance and one of the things, one of the developments I noticed working in the space was increasingly um, specifically at the firm I worked at, we would try to figure out what are the lessons we can pull from other regions that we've learned that we can then bring back to, let's say, for instance, the U.S. in tackling issues of, of, of access to education or access to affordable housing. And so increasingly, we need to recognize that question of impact and development are everywhere, they're in our backyard, and so everyone has a role to play.
0: What I think I found particularly interesting is when you mentioned that you're taking lessons from one country mm-hmm. and using it to apply it to situations yeah. that may be similar mm-hmm. in another country. And going back to impact consulting mm-hmm. um, as an industry, mm-hmm. we also, of course, have impact investing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love uh, if you could share more about what are the kind of mandates you experience in impact consulting mm-hmm. and how does that compare to something like impact investing mm-hmm. where it's almost at the discretion of the funds where they want to put their their effort into?
1: Yeah. Um, so the main difference between those two sectors and, and, and I think it's, it's great that you bring it up because a lot of student at SBS are very interested in this two career tracks. So impact consulting, again, it's it's very similar to regular consulting in terms of your day-to-day experience as an analyst, as a consultant, as a project manager. Um, what you're doing um, is very, very similar as you would be doing at another management consulting firm. The main difference being the kinds of problems that you're tackling and, and who your clients are. And so actually the Best example that I can give to contextualize what we do within impact consulting is the go-to project, um, and so the kind of cases that we're encountering, the issues we're addressing, or the problems we're trying to solve within that particular course, or would be what you would be working on as an impact consultant. So, um, to give a specific example, of this course, I'm 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 taking the blended finance um, track within GoTo. And I was super excited to choose that particular class because I remember about seven years ago when I was starting out in Impact Consulting, we had to advise one of the bilateral aid agencies in terms of their blended finance strategy, which essentially meant that they wanted to increasingly use their funding, not just to fund end programs, rather to figure out how can they use some of their funding to catalyze more private investments in developing countries or in emerging markets. And so whether that ranges from investing in funds, impact funds, but taking or expecting a lower return in order to attract more commercial investors. And that is one path to to sort of promoting change or, or to achieving the change you want to see. So for instance, whether you want to promote the growth of SMEs in South Africa, for instance, and as bilateral agency or, or, or an aid agency, you can choose to use some of your funding to co-invest alongside the banks in order to incentivize banks to give funding to small and growing businesses in South Africa. And ideally, by investing in those businesses, you're aspiring economic activity and you're generating jobs, you're providing essential goods and services. And so, again, this is like a particular thing we're doing within GoTo and it's a project that I, a very similar project I did when I started off working in impact consulting. And so, again, whether you're tackling um, issues within finance or issues within health or issues to do with affordable housing or even issues to do with climate change, the whole idea of impact consulting is you're dealing with sometimes what feels like intractable problems. And you have to bring a systems thinking to it. Like it, it you always have to take uh, like what we typically call the multi-stakeholder lens to solving problems. It can't just be like one organization of one company. Another maybe example I can give is we were trying to figure out how we can give access to clean energy, cooking energy for households in Kenya. And I remember we had to think about how can we engage the Ministry of Energy to figure out ways where they can make clean energy more affordable. And similarly, you have to think about how do you engage energy companies to invest in some of the innovative solutions that are coming up. And at the same time, how can you invest in young and upcoming entrepreneurs that are coming up with like really good technological ideas. And so uh, when you're thinking about solving a problem like access to clean energy, clean cooking energy, it can't just be about what can one company do, but it's what can government do, what can policymakers do, uh, what can donor funders do, and what can other other companies within the ecosystem do. So that that is impact consulting, where you are playing this advisory role and really bringing together different actors. Impact investing is very specific because it's just about placing capital in 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 different contexts. and so the main difference being with impact and again impact investing is a spectrum. You go all the way from sort of ESG investing mm. to investors that are sort of really taking a lot of risk with their with their funding to to sort of promote new and innovative ideas. So for instance when you think about some of the investments that the Gates Foundation does which is something you would call uh, venture philanthropy. It's like using their own philanthropic funding to fund ideas that maybe governments might not be able to fund or ideas that are too high risk that a commercial investor might not be willing to take. That level of risk or the market feels um, very nascent. And so that's where philanthropic funder like Gates can come in and say, we'll use our own philanthropic funding to invest in this space. And you've seen them doing a lot of that within health whether that's vaccine development within energy as well, the development of like nuclear energy as a power source. And so, yeah, so very interconnected. Those two spaces are very interconnected. But on the one hand, you're advising institutions. On the other hand, you're actually placing capital in ideas and businesses.
0: I particularly like the example of the GoTo project and... Mm. For those listening, um, the go-to project is the Global Opportunities and Threats Assignment that has been given to the MBA cohort. And what I'd love to know is, from your experience within the space, how how important is finance actually? Because, mm-hmm. especially from the African example, we we live on a continent that does not have the same access to financial mm-hmm. flows as other countries. And whether you're an impact consulting or in venture capital, how crucial is it to getting these funds to where they need to be?
1: Finance and access to capital is sort of very, very, very critical to sort of development, development journey or promoting economic growth. And I think traditionally the way we've thought about development or economic growth has been very focused on what policies can government put in place to support the business environment, for instance, or what programs can donors find to improve health outcomes or or education outcomes. But what people are realizing is that you need market solutions as well. Like you cannot constantly rely on aid funding. Um, you need to figure out how to sustainable, sustainably produce affordable products that low-income households can afford, right? And mm-hmm. so the only way you do that is by finding entrepreneurs, finding people with innovative ideas and funding them, which then makes this idea of the flow of capital really critical. You have a place like Silicon Valley that is awash with funding like there's always an investor willing to invest in the next app idea or 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 tech idea some of them again have been very revolutionary and some of them like just they feel like plain i don't want to say plain stupid but um like investors will invest in anything like just come up with a with a slide deck uh and walk around silicon valley and there'll be an investor willing to invest in your idea whether or not it's transforming people's lives uh, or making people's lives better. And so what if you could actually find a way to bridge the gap between supply of capital and where the demand sits, right? And and where you really have the opportunity to transform a lot of people's lives, um, where you have the opportunity to start bridging the gap with the sustainable development goals. And so the issue of, finance and flow of capital becomes very important and so if you work in the impact space you there's no way that you can ignore how capital flows um and you have to hold yourself accountable to learning how the world works um and in a way figure out how to bridge those gaps and so i would say that i i think it's very relevant that our a lot of our go-to project has have a finance element to it uh, because money makes the world go round
0: go, going back to to what you said about mm-hmm. um, looking at this at the system um, with a systems lens, one of the big things and the questions is, does the work you do in impact actually lead to long term sustainability and behavior change? Have you been able to been able to look back at the projects you've done and been able to confirm whether, you know, okay, well, we did this project and it has actually led to sustainable long-term change, or is there still some work to be done um, in terms of creating solutions that really last?
1: I would say, so I, I, I did a lot of work in the access to clean energy space during my time at Dahlberg, and that ranges all the way from promoting access to clean cook stoves for low-income households to promoting access to clean fuels. And so for those who, who don't have context, a lot of households still use um, fuels such as firewood or, or charcoal or kerosene, which tend to be sort of dirtier, more polluting fuels. And the impact of using these fuels or kind of this Cook stoves that are not as clean, is that you have a wide range of issues um, impacting that household, ranging from the amount of time you might spend, for instance, trying to find and which is typically a role that's normally played by women and girls. Um, and so they're losing time to do other things. To health outcomes, again, using these fuels in your household can really impact Um, the quality um, of air within the household. And so it leads to a lot of household air pollution, which leads to poor health outcomes. Um, And then um, there's also sort of time wasted, um, the amount of time you're spending both um, finding the fuel or collecting the fuel and cooking as well. And so there's an opportunity to really transform or have immense positive impact on a household by helping them transition to um, clean, clean cooking, and it's it's not just uh, the households that benefit. It's also the community and the world at large. Because again, these fuels tend to be very polluting, and so they're also contributing to um, green greenhouse emissions and and effectively contributing to climate change. So there's so many benefits you can have by helping um, households. Lo- typically low income households transition to clean fuels. One of the very first projects I did, um, I remember working, we were working for the World Bank to help them create an advocacy toolkit, um, which they would then essentially use to advocate for lowering of tariffs or taxes um, on clean cooking, uh, clean cook stoves that are being imported into different sub-Saharan African countries. And ideally, by eliminating the ta- the taxes, then you're making the cookstoves more affordable for households. And I will say that um, having done that project back in 2015, I can see that there's been a lot of positive progress within the clean cooking space. Um, so, for instance, in Kenya in particular, there are a lot of households that have transitioned to using cleaner fuels, to using cleaner cookstoves. Uh, because these items have become more affordable. And it's not just an affordability question, but it's also raising awareness um, and telling people, hey, actually, there are a lot of negative impacts um, from uh, from from using some of the fuel options that you use. And what if you could be able to afford an alternative source of energy um, that is not that mo- much more expensive than what you use today? Would you consider that, right? And so there's an element of, education awareness raising and just making this product available because there's also the question of availability like households would be willing to use um cleaner fuels if they were more available to them and so if you're a rural household and the only thing that's available to you is charcoal and firewood right like even if you could potentially afford an alternative source of energy then you can't use it because it's not available to you and so I can say over the seven years I've worked in the space and I've done a different, different variations of projects around clean energy, access to clean energy. Um, And I've seen so much progress happening. Um, I would say East Africa is actually a melting pot of innovation, just different innovations that are happening um, to bring affordable products to households whether that's like for instance solar home systems as well is is one of the innovations that I have really caught on um within within east africa and, and those are some of the projects i worked on like how do we bring funding to such um, entrepreneurs how do we breach the policy gap how do we go and lobby the government to lower taxes so that households can afford this product and so that's that's one example of an area I did a lot of work in and I can genuinely say I've observed the change happening like more and more households in Kenya are using um, LPG cooking gas instead of 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 um, wood fuels. And so, yeah, that's a very long winded answer, but i I can genuinely say I've observed the impact of what we do on people's lives.
0: No, it's, it's it's amazing to hear, and I think it's you know reassuring for everyone out there that the projects that are happening in the space are really making a long term impact. And this being said, you've had the opportunity to experience these conversations from a wide range of views. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know you you've uh, you were born and raised in Kenya, mm-hmm. uh, you went to Harvard, um, you worked in the impact space. Now you're in the UK. You've managed to be in so many different locations that are at the range of development, mm-hmm. so different to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that's always spoken about in Africa is, does can Africa afford to make that sacrifice in terms of being more sustainable than in their operations, um, as opposed to other developed nations yeah. which didn't really have a constraint yeah. on things like fossil fuels? Yeah. Um, or do you believe in the alternative side of the story, which is African re- Africa can really build from the ground up mm-hmm. using sustainable practices and be a beacon mm-hmm. to the world in how you achieve economic growth? Yeah. I'd love to know your thoughts. And if yeah. you have actually any experience yeah. in how this has been done.
1: A hundred percent. So I, I hold the optimistic view that we can actually be and by we, I guess, I mean (laughs) Africa (laughs) as a continent or different African countries, um, be a pace setter in terms of positive innovation. And the reason why I believe that is because we don't have a lot of legacy infrastructure um, that already exists that then we have to transform. Rather, we're starting from scratch. We have a blank slate to do things and build things in... A better way from how it's been done in the past and I think there's so much innovation that we've seen coming out of the continent um, that people would like sort of typically say has leapfrogged um, the sort of development trajectory I mean one perfect example I know this comes up so many times but it's such an inspiring innovation or an innovation that we're really proud of um, back in Kenya and it's so interesting when you see the rest of the world catching up including uh, the developed world like finally catching up when it comes to f- uh, fintech um, or the use of mobile money and we're like yeah we've been doing that in Kenya for 20 years and like everyone including my grandma like can easily um, use um, use use mobile money and they use it on a day-to-day basis so that's one for instance, perfect example of innovation, um, and and in this case, of course, I'm talking about M-Pesa, that, that 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 a few people have heard about, which is this idea that anyone with a mobile phone, and it doesn't even have to be a smartphone, you could literally transfer money from your uh, mobile phone to someone else's mobile phone, and you can also use the money to purchase items. So essentially, you have a bank account in your in your in your pocket, and. Um, it's it's almost synonymous with day-to-day life in kenya right and it's been around for so long and it's really revolutionized a lot of things and so that is one perfect example um so i hold as i said i hold the optimistic view of we are definitely have the potential to be at the forefront of innovation we have the potential to be the pace setter because we don't have to deal with legacy infrastructure Mm
0: -hmm. and it's a it's quite also reassuring to know that the the talent that is being showcased on the african continent is getting recognized by by organizations around the world and i think the most important thing is to you know really back ourselves when we say you know we are not constrained by these issues Mm -hmm. um we can reframe these positively and we can showcase our talent to the world Mm -hmm. so Tying things back to impact consulting, how is the impact industry approaching these opportunities and what are some of the actions the big firms are taking to make meaningful purpose-driven change?
1: Yeah. Um, So over the last couple of years, a lot of the big consulting firms have actually ended up opening offices across, across Africa. And some of what they do is impact consulting like i think it's very difficult to to separate just regular doing business in africa from creating positive social change or aspiring economic growth which then in turn pulls people out of poverty and, and in turn like increases people's income level secures people's livelihoods and so When I think about impact consulting or people who want to break into the space, it doesn't have to be going to work for um, a philanthropic institution or an organization that specifically focuses on quote-unquote impact. You can go work at a McKinsey um, in South Africa or um, in Ethiopia, and you're working very closely with government to help them with their... I guess, agriculture policy, right? And so there are opportunities to break into the space um, by also following the traditional routes. And so I would encourage anyone not to be restricted when they think about how can I work in the impact space? I think um, you can do that by just following the traditional um, career paths that other people have followed, just recognizing that when you work in some of these markets, you have, again, to think about problems from a systems perspective. And that's really what impact consulting or working in impact means. It's, it just means that you're not just thinking about how to improve the, a company's bottom line. You're also thinking about, oh, what, are, what is the quality of jobs that the company is actually providing to the community? Are the goods that the company is providing actually affordable um, to people or not? Um, are they feeling a gap? And so I, I would encourage anyone who's interested in the space to just figure out what they personally would want to be doing on a day to day basis and then really uh, casting the net wide in terms of um, what companies that they can actually work at um, and still achieve the goals um, that they have for themselves.
0: I agree, and I think that really goes back to the beginning of the episode um, when you said impact is really becoming ingrained in what we do on a day-to-day basis. And I hope this really inspires the people that don't know their next move, um, they aspire to a career in impact, Mm -hmm. but are maybe worried whether it's for them Mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. And to know that there's lots of businesses involved in the impact space at the Mm -hmm. moment and it's just about reaching out, mm-hmm. I think sets a, a good example of what we think business can be. Mm-hmm. And just to end off, uh, this is a question we are asking all of our guests on the podcast this year. What will the future of business look like in 100 years?
1: Ooh, that is a good one. I think we will be having fewer debates about sort of business responsibility to society and just reckon, like because we will be living in a very different society and from sort of feeling the impacts of what's what's happening today i think increasingly businesses will need to be providing products and services that are essential to unfortunately to say our survival and so i think we'll have to move away from what is the purpose of a business? Is it just to generate profit? To what products and services are businesses creating and and how are they impacting our lives? Are they useful or not? Are they useful to our survival? Because I think, unfortunately, unless things drastically change a hundred years from now, we might be living in a very uh, survival mode type world. And so the role of business will be to provide essential goods and services to ensure our survival
0: well i hope we do get there Um, (laughs) but grace thank you so much for taking time out of your busy uh, schedule to come and join us today Um, i've certainly learned so much about the the impact consulting space what it's like to have a career and i really hope people are inspired by what you have to give us and all the experience you've brought and you know we're very lucky to have you in the cohort Um, and I really look forward to following your career journey um, over the next few years.
1: Thank you so much for having me, and I feel very lucky to be part of the SVS cohort as well. It's amazing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And this brings our episode to a close. Um, A warm thanks to Grace for joining us today and the insights we have learned from her career in impact consulting. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe so you can receive many more. I've been your host, Angus, And we'll see you for the next episode from the Future of Business podcast.